Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Washington football team getting their third straight win Damn. with the Woo. David versus Goliath message. I don't think they got the memo. It was David versus David last night, not David versus Goliath. <laughs> it was uh, they, they were slim David underdogs. Versus smaller and, David. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Goliath versus David. The way Washington is currently going. You thought Washington would win. I thought Seattle would win. Oh, well, we ended up splitting on the six games that we disagreed on this week, but uh, that's for another day. For now, the point is this. Washington did not just slay the Seahawks of 2013. They slayed the Seahawks of 2021, which are a far different creature. As we are seeing week in and week out, it is depressing to see Russell Wilson play like not Russell Wilson, to see Pete Carroll coach like not Pete Carroll. And I'm not taking anything away from the Washington football team. Not not easy to win a primetime game in your home stadium when it looks like it's maybe half full. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Right. Maybe half full. But they, they got it done. And they, they've won three in a row coming out of their bye. And they're a team that we have to pay serious attention to down the stretch. No doubt about it. Not out of the NFC race. Not out of the NFC East race with the way their schedule sets up. The fact that they still got... You know, Dallas twice. Of course, the Giants one more time. What is it? The Eagles? They got the Eagles two more times as well. So there's a lot of football here to be played when it comes to the NFC East. And yeah, these bottom these bottom six, seven seeds in the NFC, 
they're still up for grabs. Now, I still like San Francisco to get one of those no matter what. So I just look at it to go, no, it's going to be that seventh seed that's up for grabs. But there's some things to certainly respect and like about the Washington football team and how they play. Um, now, they dominated a game last night, and I would have liked to have seen you know, Riverboat Ron put them away at some point. I mean, absolutely dominated the freaking football game. And then, you know, you go through a period in the third and fourth quarter where you have three third and ones in a row and you just try to run it up the middle on Seattle, who's got nine people at the line of scrimmage. You know, I'm old school. I'm all for that. But when there's nine guys at the line of scrimmage and they're just playing run, geez, can we call something else and put the game away? Because you dominated a football game and just never found that moment to go, oh, wait, I'm going to do this right here to put it away. And you rolled the dice. I mean, they rolled the dice. Just an absolute ass whooping that came down to a two-point conversion. And they almost went into overtime. So that's not cool. That frustrated me as the game went on. I kept going, man, I'd like to see a riverboat run, play action or bootleg or something here just to put this away. And, uh, of course, it was a good it was a good watch for some reason, even though it, was, it wasn't the most exciting game in the world. 41 minutes plus for Washington time of possession. So they, they really did dominate. dominate. And they tried to put it away late with a fourth and goal right. that that looked like it had a chance of being a touchdown catch. But after further review, it was clear and obvious that the ball was not caught by tight end Logan Thomas. They could have tried the field goal there. I know that with Joey Sly injured right. on that two-point conversion run, they were being very judicious about the use of a kicker. But... You know, I, I I don't I don't know how you do the analytics when you got your backup kicker as the one who'd be trying the field goal. I don't know how you plug that into the formula. So they went That's for tough. it. Nice little semi sidearm throw. Look it at that was. slow motion NFL film spiral. He had the ball, but when it came down, you know, it took him a while to get the right angle, and they finally did find the right angle that showed it wasn't a catch, and that gave the Seahawks life. Did you and, really think and it they wasn't made a the catch? most of it? You, you were okay with them overturning that? Yeah, there was one angle where the 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 clouds parted, and it's like that's not a catch. There was one angle; it's that one there. You see it bounce, hit the ground, and bounce. When they finally dialed that one up, and that's one of the benefits of a primetime game with all the extra cameras. Sometimes, you know, when you're the when you're the number six game on the CBS rotation that day, you only get like two cameras, maybe three. But but uh, they had that angle that came in late that made me say, okay, that's enough for me to to say that he didn't catch it. Yeah, I I, I don't know. It, to me, again, it, it's a tough one. Uh, I I probably would have let the call in the the the, the field stand. Uh, that that's just. How I looked at it. Now, listen, I understand it does Pete, touch Pete the agrees. ground. Pete, I don't care if you agree. <laughs> Pete, I don't care if you agree. We're having a conversation here. Go He's ahead. speaking for the common, the common fan. fan. How the dare you, Matt The common fan doesn't have Mike. a voice in this show either, Pete. It's me and Chris. Go ahead. Go uh, ahead, but Chris. I, I, I do look at it, and, and I, I don't know. I had a hard time with that being overturned. I, I did hit the ground. I agree with you. I do think it touches the ground. But I also think he had his hand underneath it. And I didn't get the feeling that he ever lost control. Yeah, the ball moved a few millimeters. I mean, man, if we slow every catch down to like, I, I hear you. You know, but but it but still, let that me was say clear this. and obvious. I, I don't old, know. I'm old school in one certain way, and there's something I don't like. I don't like the ball should never touch the ground. I don't like this. Well, okay. the ball can touch yeah. the ground. If the why you we want to make the rule clear and obvious. Right. Let's just say the ball can't touch. That the might ground. be the way to this go. This all started. Yeah. This all started because. The Buccaneers had a chance to slay Goliath 22 years ago, and Bert Emanuel had a ball that 
And when you go back and look at it, you know, because there was this, oh, that should be a catch. He had both hands on the ball, and it just happened to touch the ground, but he still had both hands on the ball. It still kind of moved a little bit. Yeah. Like, I, I'd be curious to see how it would be officiated if that exact right. catch right. happened today. But, but I'm a firm believer in the ball should not touch the ground. And if we would ever accept that... Then I can get behind that stuff. Yeah. The ball just shouldn't touch the ground. Yeah. I like that, Mike. That's probably the easiest way to clean the whole situation up and stop dealing with it because it is, it's too hard to tell on those ones. And I think we had one last week or the week before in the Seattle game, they had an interception. It was very similar. It's just, it touches the ground. Does he have control? I don't know. Uh, you're right. It's a flip of the coin either way. You know, yeah, that was a big moment in the football game. We know that. I mean, that was huge right there. Uh, in Washington, who had dominated the game, like you said, and then there they are, can finally put it away. Doesn't happen. Nice little throw by Taylor Heineke, certainly, but left the door open for the Magic Man. And, you know, there he was. The Magic Man drives them down and hits a wide-open player down the middle of the field, and, man, did it get scary. Uh, Seattle's got their issues, I know, but, man, Washington, hey, if they could – you know, you look at the way their defense is playing right now. You know, got some good players in the secondary. Jack Del Rio has upped his creativity on the defensive side of the ball this last second half of the season as compared to early on. They can get a little healthier up front. You know, they can you think, be. You think it's you think it's Del Rio? Or do you think it's Ron Rivera? Well, yeah, that's the good. That's the good question. I don't know. You know, they ended last year with being so dominant and kind of vanilla because they were just like our front four is good and we're gonna let them dominate. And we'll play real basic on the back end and won't mess up. But this year, they came out with the same formula. And, you know, we talked a lot early in the year, right, where the defensive line just wasn't dominant. Chase Young, you know, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, they weren't dominating the game like we thought they would. Montez Sweat got hurt. And uh, the, the vanilla scheme didn't work. So you're right. Maybe it is Riverboat Ron getting involved there, certainly. But uh, they're a formidable defense right now, certainly. And if they can get a little healthier on the D-line, yeah, they're going to be a pain in the butt uh, if they do sneak in the playoffs. As we go through this 17-game season for the first time ever, the, the opportunity lingers longer than usual it for really a does. team that we had written off yeah. to get back into it. Right. Because it really doesn't take much to win through in a row. It doesn't matter if you had only won two out of your first nine, you can still run the table. You can still get hot. And when you consider that after Washington plays at the Raiders this weekend, their final five games are all divisional games and they have two head to head with the Cowboys and the Cowboys are currently taking on water after we had anointed them yeah. as the unquestioned uh -huh. inevitable NFC East champions, you know, we pivot, on one Sunday and Monday from saying the Eagles have the best chance to challenge the Cowboys to saying Washington has the best chance. And chance is the key because they have two games against the Eagles, because they have a game against the Giants, and most importantly, they have two against the Cowboys. Are they five and six or are they five and seven? They're five and six. I, that's even better. Yeah. They, they've had their bye, so they are five and six. So never mind. So they, they, they control their fate they in do. this regard right because they can make up those two games against the Cowboys simply by beating the Cowboys both times they play them and then they have the tiebreaker too so uh all of a sudden all of a sudden yeah here comes Washington and uh you know it, it's fun to watch and it did feel like it was a playoff elimination game last night like whoever wins that game is alive very much alive. No doubt. Not just kind of alive, right. very much alive. Yeah. And whoever loses is still kind of maybe a little bit alive because that's the other thing, too. 
just because the Seahawks look as bad as they do, you never know when they're going to stumble into a formula that allows them to be the David that beats a Goliath coming up. Well, well I'll, I'll end that right out. It's over for them, all right? It's over. O-V-E-R. It is over. They're not going to do it this year. As much as I respect their fight, you know, their willpower, everything, no way, negative Ghost Rider, see you later next year, Seattle. I, I don't see it. I just don't see it. You know, again, they were fortunate that Washington played ultra conservative just to let them hang in the game there for a while. But, you know, that that I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel like I do with the Washington or like we did with Philadelphia two weeks ago when we go, man, there's some things about this team that you look at and you go, ooh, I really like. They can dominate in certain areas. Seattle, what? what, what? You know, they got a favorable schedule down the stretch. It's not the worst. You know, Bears, Lions, Texans. You look at they those. They can't and go, lose another one, though. Exactly. You can't get in That's at eight and what nine. it is. You're not getting in at eight and nine. No, you're not going to get it. In, I don't think in eight and nine. And you know, nothing's a slam dunk with the way they play football. I mean, come on. Defense is playing better. I give them respect for how they've turned it around from the early season. But you know, offensively, there's just nothing. And it seems like we're having the same issues we talk about a lot in Seattle. Like just the inability to kind of get any momentum. What are the, what is really the identity of the offense? They can't get the two stars, the receivers, uh, the football at all, and um, they're they're frustrating to watch. They're annoying to watch, quite simply. They've lost six out of seven games, three in a row since Russell Wilson made that heroic return from the badly injured finger with the pin that was jammed straight down the middle and the zigzag incision, and 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 I have a ton of respect for what he's done. But the wheels have just come off. Yeah. I agree with you. The wheels have come off. And for as good as this team has been for a decade, they haven't had even an 8-8 eight and eight record for the full decade. They've had a winning record every year since 2012. They were 7-9 and nine in 2010, Pete Carroll's first year, and won the division. 7-9 the next year, didn't go to the playoffs. And then 2012, when Russell Wilson arrived, every year they've been above 500 when it's all been said and done. And their only chance at that now... Uh, is is to run the table and go nine and eight. And again, yeah. I I I don't see it happening. No, for the Seattle Seahawks this year, they just have to win a game before we can even begin to believe. So what what's ultimately wrong with this team? Because people see Russell Wilson and they say, "Hey, it's Russell Wilson." Has he had some sort of a mid career meltdown? Is it him? Is it the running game? Is it the offensive line? Is it the defense? It's just so. I mean, because look, the 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 defense. Isn't it didn't seem horrible last night? That may be because we didn't see Washington capitalize the way they should on their opportunities. But I just felt like the offense could get absolutely nothing going. And every time Russell Wilson threw a football, it seemed destined to hit an open patch of green grass. Yeah, I agreed. You know, I mean, he's out of sync. There's no doubt. Yeah, the defense. You know, you're right. They're they're respectable. They've been better. They don't they don't let you score touchdowns. But they're still the worst defense in football as far as yards are concerned. There's too many slow deaths. And then, so now it's, there's no run game. They're not great up front. And basically what we're saying is we're, we're relying on Russell Wilson to get hot and, like, just be, yeah, you know, all systems go, Russell Wilson MVP candidate. And I, well, it's not going to happen right now. Not with, I think, the state of their offense, you know, and the fact that they can't run the ball. They're not overly creative in the past game. And then... I, I will say this, yeah, he's not playing his best. Has he, you know, maybe 
dip, you know, he's not quite as athletic as he used to be. I think that's fairly obvious to see that he cannot run around and make the magical plays we used to see Russell Wilson make. That happens very rarely now. So that's, I think, something we got to put in the back of our head. Him extending plays and making magic is slowly going to dissipate. Is that right? Dissipate, right? I think it is. Yes. Out of his game. And I think you're seeing that. Damn, I don't know how I got that one. I pulled that on my butt. But that, and then, hey, I will give him a little free pass in the finger, the middle finger. Man, that's, if you're a real tight gripper of the football, that's a tough finger to deal with throwing it. And, you know, Mike, not to get too in the weeds about mechanics and that, but yeah, to grip the football, you you throw it around with your family and friends. You know that middle finger, you want it to be on there securely so you can kind of control the football. And then also added to that, he's got a little bit of a different motion than the rest of quarterbacks in football. He's a little bit of a arm thrower. He's got a little bit of that baseball in him. He doesn't necessarily always turn his shoulders in that. So therefore, it becomes very hand and arm type of throw. And if your hand's not 100%, he's off his game. But Mike... The fact that they still can't get DK Metcalf the ball, like get the hell out of here with that. How is that possible? How is that possible? And they just have issues across the board, uh, like you said. He wasn't targeted at all until late in the game. Is that one that we saw that was the overthrow on the sideline? That was his first target. He ultimately had one catch for 13 yards for the entire game. And it's funny because when you look at Russell's stats, like he had a passer rating north of 100. That tells you how misleading the passer no rating doubt. is. Right. And 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 a lot of that came on that final drive right. when something did click a little bit, given the sense of urgency. Let's hear from both Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson in the aftermath of this game. Wilson talks about his finger. Carroll talks about bigger issues like what the hell's going on with the team right now. Here they are. I mean, the, the film doesn't lie, you know. We're missing some stuff. And, and uh, um, I don't see indications of that in practice as we're going. And so uh, we just got to look at the film, you know. There's, we can talk about all the different throws that didn't get where they're supposed to go, but... Um, uh, I don't know what to make of it other than the fact we got to keep battling and keep trying to figure it out. Um, I felt like we had some guys open tonight, you know, with, with some chances, and, and uh, unfortunately we didn't hook it up. He's got to do better. We all got to do better. I, I felt like we pass protected okay tonight. I, did we give up one sack tonight? One, yeah. yeah two. Yeah. Um, I, I thought we protected pretty well, but uh, we just didn't hook it up. Would you continue to hold with Russ if he continues to look the way he does? Yeah, he needs to make his plays when he gets his chances. He'll, you know, I can't imagine that he won't. Can't imagine that he won't get it, get it, you know, get it done. How does your finger feel? I feel good. I feel really good. I feel, you know, my my. Uh, I, I, w- I wish we were winning right now. You know, we've had some three tough games in a row, but, um, you know, so that's really that's really my, my finger is not the issue. You know, I think you just we got to figure out how to be better. And, and I don't expect him to make excuses. That's not his way. Now, they both seemed far more muted for good reason. Yeah, like beating, what they beating down are. puppies there, yeah. Yeah, but, but you know, what will happen is, as they get a chance to regroup, we'll inevitably hear the, well, we can win out. We can we can start winning. We can win. We can. And I understand that confidence that borders on delusion is part of the part of the game here. You're trying to make yourself believe it, so you say it. Because I think that's part of it. Hey, I think we can win every game left, even if no one else believes it, even if they don't believe it as they're saying it. I think they're starting to recognize that it's time to fold the tents. And and 
Mike Golick and I had this conversation yesterday as it relates to Baker Mayfield. That the player is never going to be the one to tap out. No. That somebody else right. has to be the one to tap him out. Yeah. And I, I think the fact that Russell Wilson's force of personality, and it, it, it gets back to, it's different, but it's similar. The way the Packers tiptoed around the unvaccinated, secretly unvaccinated Aaron Rodgers. The Seahawks had a similar issue with Russell Wilson in the offseason where he wanted out. And everybody knows he wanted out. And you can try to say that, oh, he didn't. Just because he stayed didn't mean he didn't want out. Yep. Um, so, you know, are, are they going to not let him play if he is insisting that he's able to play? No. No. They're going to let him play. Yeah. Hey, well, what the hell? Let him play. You know, if, if, we, if, we, if he thinks he's healthy and we keep him on the bench and we play Geno Smith, it's only going to make him more upset with us. So we got to let him play. They got no choice but to let this guy play. And whether or not the finger's the issue, again, he's not going to admit it. I'll defer to you. If you think it's an issue, you're see, uh, something's got, there's got to be an explanation. Yeah. As Shereen Williams would say, if it's not the finger, then you just suck. I, there's, there's only two choices. Yeah. The finger is either hampering you or you just have lost it. You're like Steve Blass, if anybody remembers that reference, where all of a sudden he just couldn't pitch anymore. Yeah, right. Just, right. It just happens. It just, you just lost it. Well, so either you're injured or you stink. There's no, there's no good answer here, and there's no middle ground. No, there is no, there's no middle ground. You're right. I think the injury has made him a little stinky, right? I, that, that's how I would kind of say it. You know, you go a long period of time, it's a broken finger. So he couldn't throw. And now you're just like, oh, yeah, you're healthy. Oh, wait, you can move your hand and grip the football? All right, play. And it's just not that easy all the time. You know, there is a rhythm and, like, a little practice, even for guys like Russell Wilson, let alone he's probably not totally normal there quite yet. I will make that excuse for him. He's going through a slump right now. But, you know, the problem is they do nothing to help him get out of the slump. I mean, when you got the worst defense in football, the second worst offense in football, they're the worst in time and possession, they can't run the football, they're second to worst in first downs in the game, there's no chance for them to ever get in the rhythm. It's always like, run on first, hey, it's second and ten, now, you know, make something happen, Russell, throw us a, you know, a rifle, there's never an easy throw, and yeah, he's missing a few here and there, I get that. But, man, they don't do a whole lot to help him either. So I will defend him from that standpoint. Uh, I don't get it. And, yeah, they have issues across the board. I mean, I just that's where I go back to the conversation and just looking at it like, yeah, I don't like the rhythm of the offense. I don't really know what they're trying to get accomplished. And you've got to ride it out with Russell Wilson. He's still the best player on your football team, but he is going through a, a cold streak. And, you know, it, it's like, again, you know, I use this analogy a lot. You've heard me say it, but it's just like, Hey, we're moving the ball around. We're doing this. We're doing this. Hey, it's the fourth quarter. It's a big moment. Steph Curry, we haven't let you shoot all game. Now hit the three. And it's just like, well, wait, can I get another shot before then? And I feel like that's what they do to him a little bit. And uh, to me, there's got to be a way earlier in the game to get easy completions, get a rhythm of the offense, throw some screens, you know, get DK Metcalf the ball in a reverse or just a slant route. And, and, and get a little momentum going that way. But they don't ever seem to really, you know, go that direction. And it, it's, it's hard to play quarterback that way. Lots of ways to get the balls in the hands of a special player. You can do the jet sweep. That's the reverse, right. The bubble screen. You don't have to just send him down the field and throw him the football. And there weren't many options last night. This I mean, look at that play. Oh, you, you run earlier. straight. You run straight. The guy in the middle runs straight. 
You know, some of these plays I want to go, I you know, you know, kiss my butt, Seattle. I don't care if it's Russell Wilson or not. I don't know where you want him to go with the ball. You know, even this play. Yeah, there's a guy down the middle. But again, it's guy on the left straight, guy on the right straight, guy in the middle straight. Whoa, oh, look at this one. It's out route with three other guys running straight. Uh, that's where I just want to go, like, again, I mean, you know, you look at some of these plays and you watch them on film over the last few weeks, and I go, I mean, the, the DBs run the routes for the receivers sometimes. They know what's coming. I mean, there's just it's not that hard to break down. And we're used to seeing him make magic even when things don't happen. And that, I think that's where we're shocked. We're just not seeing any of that right now, the, the usual Russell, Russell Wilson magic. And, and Shane Waldron, the offensive coordinator that they hired away from the Rams, uh, mm-hmm. not, not getting it done the way that, that they had hoped, obviously. At least last year, they got off to a great start before defenses figured them out. This year, they never even really got off no. to a great start, although right. what they were doing earlier in the year, much better than what they're doing now. How about this stat? Yeah. Five straight three and outs last night. Matching what they did against San Francisco in week four when they actually won the game. Yeah, they five straight three and outs that game. And no other team has even one stretch of five straight three and outs all year long. So the Seahawks have two. The other 31 combined have zero. That, that It says it all right there. It just says everything we just talked about. I tried to explain. There's no rhythm, easy plays. You know, there, there's no there's no tying together of plays. You know, there's no illusion of complexity like, hey, this play looks like this play. Oh, but it's not that play. It's a different one, even though it looks a lot like the other. There, there's none of that. And that that's where it's, it's, it, it's hard. I mean, that was painful to watch last night. The fact that they got their first first down since the second quarter there late in the fourth quarter, I mean, that's just inexcusable. This day and age in the NFL – this day and age where, like, literally referees are just looking to give offenses first down. Whoa, you breathed on the quarterback. First down. Whoa, you touched a receiver with your fingernail. First down. They couldn't even get any – nothing. Nothing. And I don't want to take credit away from Washington completely, but I do think that, that this needs to be pointed out. Like, just, to, you know, you and I, we watch a ton of football. Yeah, I'm Ron Jaworski, and I watch the film, and I do that too, and I just look at it, and I go, meh. It's underwhelming, and uh, I, I just I don't see how they write the ship here in Seattle as much as I respect Russell and Pete Carroll. And, and the problem is there's always that next game coming. They played Monday night. They have to fly back across the country. They have to get ready for a game in five days now, and it just continues. Lather, rinse, repeat, and it makes it very difficult to ever have an opportunity to diagnose the issues and come up with bigger solutions. And when when I hear Pete Carroll say it's not showing up in practice, maybe, maybe they're not practicing the right way. Maybe they're focusing on the wrong thing. Maybe it's too easy not seeing practice. this in practice. Right. Yeah. Right. Remember, it used to be a big deal. It was always compete, and it was ones versus ones on Wednesdays, and there was that sense of, of you know, the, the, the best uh, – going against the best and making everybody better and maybe that maybe they you know when when you don't have great players yes on both sides of the ball you're right it doesn't matter how much you're competing does it there's only so good they're ever going to get as a result of that internal competition i think that's ultimately a problem they just don't have enough good players no i think that's exactly right you know there's there's issues schematically we're talking about russell's not perfect you know, Pete Pete Carroll's too conservative, and then you match it together with what you're saying, right? 
you know, there's not a lot of talent. You know, it's it's. I think there is something to that. The lack of competition in practice. I don't know. Do they do they script for success in practice and always make it easy on the offense? Like, oh well, we know we're gonna get this defense, so we're gonna run. The, oh, you know it, really? You know it? Wow. I mean, wow, you guys are amazing. You know it. You know that that's what happens too in the NFL. So everybody they make themselves feel good during the pra- during practices. Oh, look, we had a great practice day. Everything was clean. That's great. I don't know. Some of the better teams I was on, they didn't practice like that. I could speak of like the the Titans team I was involved with in 2008, you know, even the Buccaneers team early on in my career, you know, working in New England, you know, there was times where wait, Tom Brady the ball would hit the ground a lot in practice and you'd go, "Wow, this is not a high functioning machine." But yeah, he was playing it like legit. Like, yeah, it was legit. You didn't know exactly what you were going to get from the scout team. They didn't just give you a free pass and make it easy all the time. And, you know, I think in a lot of ways, you know, whether you ask Tennessee Titans and Kerry Collins when he was the quarterback there that year or Tom Brady, they got on the games, and I think they felt like the game was easier. Like, damn, practice, you know, some of our guys were all over the stuff, and it wasn't that easy. And Jeff Fisher and Belichick threw some wrinkles in to to confuse our offense and make things tough. And here we are in the game, and – Oh, you know, it's, it's, it is easier. We are getting kind of what we expected or, you know, and, and there is something to that too. So I don't know what the issue is there, but they got to figure it out. Um, because like you said, they basically got to run the table, I think, to, to even, you know, have a chance to get back into this. There's clearly a disconnect between how they're practicing and how they're playing. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why they seem so flummoxed trying to make sense of what happens during games, because Going into the season, this is a this is a game that you would have looked at and said the Seahawks are going to be good enough that they're going to you know it's prime time it's Russell's thirty third birthday last time he played on his birthday had five touchdown passes big win against Pittsburgh you know he 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 used to show up not just in big moments but in all moments and I I, I don't look I I want to I want to spin this back to Washington at one yeah we'll do point. that let's but, get but back I, to that but to but this. I want yeah. but I, but yeah. let me say let me say this yeah. let me say this I'm with you. Whatever they would have gotten for Russell Wilson in March of 2021, they're going to have a hard time getting that much in March of 2022. You're right. I mean, this is going to bring value down a little bit. You know, I I mean, I don't know it'll be a huge jump, but yeah, there's a little bit of the shine that's worn off there with Russell Wilson as far as just being untouchable and definitely one of the five best quarterbacks in football. No, I think we've seen some people pass him up here a little bit. There's no doubt. Hey, well, last thing, too, I want to say, Mike, because I want to go back to Washington, too, but just one more thing on Seattle. Like, you know, I, I don't know. I don't love the, the, the talk of missing the plays and the film doesn't lie by Pete Carroll there either. I don't. I don't. You know, again, I, I don't feel like I hear him talk about the defense that way. And maybe I don't listen to the full press conference all the time, but I also want to go, yeah, well – Hey, the film doesn't lie. Yeah, he missed some throws. It's hard to get in a rhythm when you're by the Gatorade bottle all game long. All game long. I mean, all game long. You know, your defense stinks. The film doesn't lie there either, but I don't hear that conversation a lot there in Seattle because the defense is his baby. And I guess that that annoys me a little bit about them where they kind of just always sweep that under the rug, that aspect. Oh, yeah, your defense is always getting the ball moved on them, is always giving up first downs is never getting off the field, is never letting Russell Wilson get on the field quickly and get back in a rhythm. So there's issues completely, you know, across the board there. You said it too. The players, the defense, I mean, 
other than Jamal Adams and, and Diggs at safety you know, and Bobby Wagner, you know, there's not a lot to go around that you look at. There's not. There's just nothing there that you go, oh, wow, that's something they can build around. And uh, there's just way too many holes across the board in Seattle. And, and you mentioned Jamal Adams, and we know what a player he is. Yeah. We also know how badly he wants to win. That's a little bit of a tick, tick, tick situation before he has something to say about the current state of the Seahawks. And, you know, he just got his contract this year. I, I, I think that, that we may be a year away from him starting to agitate but once Wilson's gone, if that happens, depending upon who they replace him with and depending upon how this team does next year, depending upon well, whether or not there's a new coach, I mean, that, that's got to be on the table at some point. We don't know who makes yeah, that call in Seattle yeah. because it's basically corporate operated under the broader umbrella of the Paul Allen empire that his sister Jody inherited. And nobody really knows how involved she is with the team because Vulcan Incorporated manages everything. It's not as engaged of a process as it is with other teams where it's kind of like the family business and it's their only reason for doing anything. I mean, this is a huge financial empire that the Seahawks are part of. So I don't know how much of this even lands on anyone's radar screen. Right. But if it does, if it does, yeah, we, we could see major, major changes in Seattle next year. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it seems like it just when you, you know, I think, you know, gauging the, the temperature of the room a little bit, it does feel like, you know, there's that sense up there in Seattle that anything could happen here after the year, the way it's going, the way Pete's age, Pete's age you know, Pete Carroll's age, the, the, the lack of talent on the team right now. And I think the bad thing, too, is, you know, because there's lack of creative scheme and there's issues across the board, they make some of their 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 best investments not look good because they're not good, so they have to put more pressure on them. You know, first off, we talked about the two receivers. They can't get on the ball. You know, Russell Wilson. So there's the schematical issues there. They're not great up front and can't run. So they can't really show you everything DK, Metcalf, and Lockett and Russell Wilson have to offer, in my opinion. Defense aside, kind of the same thing. You know, Jamal Adams is still really damn good. Yeah, he gives up some plays. But I'll go back to, like, the thing I you've heard me say before sometimes. You know, he's so good and they're so bad in so many areas they ask him to do things that other safeties just simply don't get asked to do in the NFL, you know, and then there he doesn't look good. And now they get crap about, well, why did you trade for Jamal Adams and, and give him all this money? He's not as good as you said. And I want to go, well, no, no, he's actually still really good. It's just like, they're so not good. They got to ask him to do things that, you know, that, that nobody gets asked to do at the safety position in football. You know, he's covering receivers, covering the tight end, blitzing, you know, stop the run game. He, he, they have him trying to do everything, so he's going to make some mistakes sometimes and not look as good as he really is. One more point I want to make. You mentioned Pete Carroll's age. I don't think that age should be an issue because look at Bill Belichick. Yeah, that's right. I'm with him. you there. I'm with you. I'm I, with you. I, I, yeah. it, I don't know what the explanation is, right. but age has never been an issue for Pete Carroll before. I just I don't know what it is. And, you know, we talk about other coaches who have won Super Bowls like a Mike Tomlin and say if he would be fired by Pittsburgh, boom, he'd, he'd have a job the next day. I, I'm curious if Pete Carroll would be out in Seattle, what, what would happen next? Because I don't think he'd have a job the next day based on the way it's gone in recent years. Although they were 12 and four last year. I, I don't know what would yeah. happen if, if this is the final act in Seattle for Pete Carroll. I just don't know. Um, but, but we would have Fair to question. see, but, 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 but I, I'm not, I'm not, you look, we, we see 
people in today's society highly functioning into the 70s and 80s. So I, I don't want to attribute it yeah, to Yeah, he's age. still running down the sidelines. You're right. Yeah. There's no doubt. No yeah. doubt. I, so, I don't mean that uh, either. I guess I just mean it's he's up there in age. The team looks like it needs an overhaul. And I guess I'm a little bit like, does he really want to be there for the next five or six years as they kind of rebuild a team again? I guess that's where I meant. You're right. I don't mean to disrespect why does any, but Why would anybody who's yeah. been part of the decade of greatness want to hang around if it's going to take five years to turn it around? I yeah. think it makes sense for everybody in that in that point if it happens to say, see ya, we're moving on. All right, yeah. let's give some praise to the let's Washington football team. And, you know, specifically Taylor Heineke because and, – and this kind of came through in the broadcast last night. He recognized that his opportunity – to get the attention of the Washington football team or someone else came in that playoff game last year against Tampa Bay where he went all out and threw his body all over the place. And I said, hey, this is fun. This is great, but it's not sustainable. Credit to him. Yes. He hasn't played with the same recklessness this year. He's he's a, a, you know, a little more within himself. Look, right there, new one to do the no quick doubt. slide. Hey, no he, doubt. Didn't, he didn't sp- – he didn't spike anybody when he did that slide either. Imagine that. But uh, I digress. But uh, um, but I but I think he's found a way to color within the line, so he's not taking big hits and he's able to manage the game. And he, you know, he, he's he's getting compared to some pretty damn good quarterbacks. But one game at a time, one rock thrown at the whiteboard at a time, he's winning games. He's taking down Tom Brady, Cam Newton, Russell Wilson. There's something to be said for that. No, there definitely is. There is. I mean. He's he's really I think going to be one of the more interesting conversations as we go down the stretch here. He really is. He he's kind of a natural at playing the position. He really has got incredible feel as far as moving in the pocket. You know, making some off balance throws. You know, changing his arm angle. He's extremely slippery moving around and making plays. You know, in the pocket or getting outside of it. You know, there's a moxie about him. Certainly, he does have a little bit of a. Um, you know, a presence on the field, you know, as far as that's concerned. He, he does. There's no doubt. You know, now they, they got some things that are positive about that football team. There's, there's no doubt about that, too. I, I'm interested to see where it goes. Yeah, he play, he's playing well. Is, is it, but I still think he's going to have to prove himself to be a starter, you know, as the year goes on. He's on that cusp because, yes, for everything that I just said he does well, you know, Greasy brought it up at one point during the game too. You know, I can turn on every game and there's going to be a handful of throws with him where I go, you know, for every play I see slippery or moving in the pocket, I could go, well, here's two plays where there's a 20-yard out route open and he misses it or he doesn't want to throw it because he doesn't trust his arm. You know, and that to me is what it's going to come down to is just, you know, can he continue to play this way, make enough plays and, you know, satisfy their coaching staff with the fact that, yeah, he's going to leave some plays on the field because he doesn't have the biggest arm in the world. It's one of the reasons they're not great in the red zone and they can't score touchdowns. He's just not a guy that has an explosive arm that's going to be able to fit balls into tight windows and throw lasers like a Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady, why they're so like unstoppable down inside the 10. So that's where it's going to be really, really you know, kind of fun to watch. But, uh, man, I respect his toughness and just his natural feel for the game. It jumps off the TV. But here, this kind of explains it too. Look at this. And I had no idea we are going to show this. But you can see it's not an overly aggressive passing offense. And that's fine if they can continue to run the ball. But I'm just going to say if they don't run the ball, he's not the kind of guy that I think is going to be able to carry your offense and just be like jump on my back, guys like he did in that wild card game. I understand that. That was great. 
but I don't think he'll be able to do that consistently. At least that's my question going forward. Helped to have Antonio Gibson chip in 111 Definitely. yards on 29 carries. And J.D. McKissick, who was carted off late, uh, yeah. he, he had some sort of a head injury, and that was kind of scary. But he had a couple of touchdowns, and uh, I haven't seen any. I think I saw that his agent said he's okay, but, uh, but he's, a, so. he's kind of a wild card piece of that offense. Right. He got a chance to go against his old team. You know, they've been they've been searching for running backs there that can get it done, and they had a guy who can get it done, and uh, – they let him go, and he's getting it done as a, as a key piece of that Washington puzzle. So uh, even with all that said, yeah. it shouldn't have been as close as it was. That's it right. really shouldn't have come down to the two-point conversion. And then the onside kick that was recovered, I got all excited, in part because I, I'd picked Seattle to win, so I wanted to be right. But we don't see onside kicks recovered anymore. Well, now we know why. They used an illegal formation. So <laughs> if you don't... If you don't use a formation that the current rules require to make it harder to recover the onside kick, imagine that you got a better chance to recover the onside kick. And then they did it again. And the second time the the Washington football team recovered. And that was that. But there, there was a little glimmer of hope. And Russell Wilson was very excited. But they had uh, the, uh, but it's the illegal formation. Pete's right. It didn't even affect it. No. That's what makes it so confounding. No, and that's exactly. Where Coaching becomes an issue. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, what? Get your guys lined up right. Shouldn't they know by week twelve how to line up for an onside kick? Shouldn't they know? Number number forty four in the middles in the in the what what was the issue there? Inside the hash mark, forty four inside the hash mark, supposed to be outside the hash mark. How do you like an easy how, detail, right? No how doubt. How do you blow that? No doubt. I now, know. Now maybe 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 44 thought, "Hey, I'm going to get over there and try to get a shot at the ricochet." Maybe that was it, even though That's what he's there for. No, that's exactly yeah. what it is. You're right. But they I mean, they should know that rule to your point. That that's, you just know. Just take a step to the right. Just take just a, step a step to the, step right. To the and right. And it's just another example again in 2021. Listen, I'm all for managing the game. I am all for it. You don't have to go for it on every fourth and one. But you do got to have a feel at some point to like, wait, we're outplaying this team and we got to put them away right now because there's Russell Wilson over there. And it can get scary because they want to play for the last drive of the game to a degree in Seattle. They're comfortable with that. That's what they've done the last three years. Uh, that was an unbelievable – Mike, I kind of like switched rooms, was getting, in, in my, getting ready to get in my bed. I was brushing my teeth. And I walked out as the ball was being recovered by Seattle. And I was like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? You know, and uh, yeah, you know, luckily for Washington, there was a, a wrong alignment. But uh, man, that was risky. It was. All right. Let me ask you a question about this. You know, Washington, like, first off, I do want to if they can get like Curtis Samuel, who we saw last night, you said it. Antonio Gibson's good. They got a good offensive line, even though you know one of their damn centers got injured again last night. You know they can run the ball. You know you, you see Terry McLaurin's a superstar. You know if it like out of the teams that we got, you know at the bottom of the NFC right now. You know when you think about Washington, Atlanta, Minnesota, New Orleans, Philadelphia. Let's let's just take those right. Who who who's who who jumps out to you about that group out of you know those five teams I just mentioned? Do you think Washington's the best team of that group? I don't know if they're the best team of that group, but when you consider the path that they have, those five division games, yeah, 
You know, they I, have two paths. I, I, I guess is what we're saying too. They could win the division and sneak in as the seven yes. seed. That's what gives them yes. the advantage here. They, they do have a little bit of an edge because it could be four, it could be seven. Right. And right. for the Vikings, for example, the Falcons. Look at all the teams in the hunt. The chances of winning the division are very, very slim. Look, I don't want to write off the Giants or the Eagles just yet because when we write off a team, they they tend to don't do to that wake to up. my G men. <laughs> but, but yeah, Washington has two opportunities. They could still pick off the Cowboys, and they could win enough games that they end up being the seventh seed. So uh, Cowboys need to start worrying about not making the playoffs at all. No. I, I, the, but Cowboys and Rams, the two of the anointed teams by Halloween, things yeah, change. And, again, things. this is the – Product of the 17-game season, it gives the bad teams a little bit more runway to get it together, but it also gives the good teams a little more of an opportunity for it all to fall apart. And speaking of the Cowboys falling apart, we'll talk about some of the struggles that they face as they prepare for a showdown with the Saints on Thursday Night Football. We'll do that next on this Tuesday edition of PFT Lock. Around any corner, within every battle, And with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Dallas Cowboys started strong. They've lost three of their last four, and now they have lost multiple members of the coaching staff, including head coach Mike McCarthy, COVID positive. Reportedly, eight positives, and there could be more cranked out every single day as the Cowboys try to get their arms around this outbreak they're currently dealing with. It's not going to make a difference on Thursday night. The NFL's attitude is the show must go on, the show will go on, and there's only one player who has found himself in COVID protocol currently. Amari Cooper is back after his stint. He had two games that he missed after testing positive, but no Mike McCarthy. Dan Quinn will come down from the booth and coach from the sideline and take over against a team he knows very well from his years in Atlanta as the coach of the Falcons. But this this creates a real challenge for the Cowboys as they try to get things back on the right track try to fend off the Washington football team, try to maybe 
work their way up from number four on the playoff ladder in the final six games of the season. And this is not good for the Cowboys, who seem to be having all sorts of different types of adversity right now, Chris. No doubt about it. I mean, yeah. I mean, they lost three out of the last four. You know, the offense has been all over the place. It hasn't been all that great. They were good last week, finally, you know, towards the end of the game and got a little mojo going. We've seen the defense kind of get, you know, picked apart. They had no chance against the Raiders that, last week. No chance. Didn't matter what they tried to dial up or whatever. You know, it wasn't going to work. Played a ton of man-to-man. Yeah, got beat for big plays or committed pass interference. You know, or, or they played zone and Derek Carr just picked them apart. So, yeah. There's things to worry about a little bit. And now you got to deal with this. You know, offensive line hasn't been as dominated. The one player that tested positive is is the tackle, Terrence Steele. So now he's going to be out of the mix. You know, defense isn't doing good. Now Dan Quinn can't even totally worry about the defense. He's got to worry about the whole team a little bit and be, you know, de facto head coach. Right, man, I mean, they, they do got an uphill battle here, certainly. And to me, Mike, it seems like, I don't know. I mean, it was the... Was the weekend different? Like it's it's the middle of the week for them already, and they're just finding this out. You know that that's where it's a little different too. You know it's it's Friday for them today, and they're dealing with this, and that's that's a distraction this late in the week. It's one thing when it's like, you know, a normal week. It's a Monday, and you find all these things out, and you got six days to kind of you know figure your formula out. It's another thing to be like, whoa, it's our Thursday, and we play in a few days, and all this hits. That, that is a distraction. That is going to mess up your game planning, and uh, that's where it, it can get tough for them this week. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. It is their Thursday to find out on Monday as they get right. ready for the right. Thursday night game, and we, we see that every year now. The Cowboys have their short week game on Thanksgiving, but then we see them the following Thursday night when they have a seven-day week. They don't get their mini-buy until after that second game because the Cowboys sell. And we saw what the Cowboys sold on Thursday, 38.5 million average viewers yeah. for CBS. And that's another reason why this, ga- this game is going to happen. Regardless of what happens in the next couple of days, I would be beyond stunned if the NFL doesn't play this game as scheduled on Thursday night. It's up to you to have guys ready. It's up to you to keep the virus out of the building. And if you lose guys because of it, that's on you. That's right. The game is still going to happen. You show up with who you have. Even if you have to have one of the Joneses hold the cord behind the coach on the sideline, whatever it is. <laughs> I would love be, to see that. I'd pay get, money. <laughs> get people involved if you have to. And we, we've heard stories about that when there have been issues with other coaching staffs where they pull somebody over from scouting to be involved in this, that, or the other thing. You just have to do yeah. what you have to do. When the Saints had their coaching staff decimated earlier this year because that's that, that's the thing the last person who's going to shed any tears for the Cowboys right now is Sean Payne that's exactly right he he had to go through that where a bunch of his coaches weren't available to him and and it's, it's just this this vague rogue COVID reality where any given day every given day we can find out a bunch of guys are positive, coaches are positive, players are positive. You just never know when it's going to happen. And with the Cowboys, now that they do have this kind of critical mass, you have to wonder how many more are going to join them as they enter their Friday Ooh. in preparation for their Sunday, which is Thursday. Yeah, I mean, this added on to – yeah, I mean, this is – it's a little scary. There's no question. And you're right. I mean, New Orleans, they don't want to hear it. They're a beat-up football team. they got a lot of players missing – you know, they don't care. You're right. This game's going to go on, uh, certainly. But, hey, this is part of the season. It's the part of the time we live in right now. It's 
It's you got to battle on the field. You got to battle in the in the in the meeting room, and you got to battle when you leave the facility to make sure, you know, you don't get COVID. That's just that's part of it. You know, it it, it really is. And I'm not shocked that we're seeing a little bit of an outbreak right now. I think across the NFL because it was Thanksgiving weekend. You know, people I think have gotten a little lax across the country, even up here in the Northeast where it's been very strict. You know, there's definitely a relaxation the last few weeks. Family coming to town from everywhere, and, you know, you're seeing the repercussions of all this, I think, right now. What a shock, the idea that people crowded airplanes and airports and and distributed themselves around the country. What a shock that when those people get together in houses with windows shut and doors closed right. that COVID is going to circulate. And we've got T.J. Watt, the Steelers linebacker. He tested positive yesterday. Patrick Peterson of the Vikings. He tested positive yesterday. Kevin Byer to the Titans. Now they have a bye coming up. This is a perfect week to have a bye. Yes, if you're going to have anybody who ends up testing positive for COVID coming out of the Thanksgiving break. But, you know, this is kind of where we are, and we just accept it now. This is like, like finding out that somebody who you didn't know was injured during the game actually got injured. It's that same mindset. You just adapt to it as a football fan. It's something else that you have to just kind of – not worry about, but be aware of. It, yeah. It's a possibility. Any given day, every given day, it can happen. And something Shereen Williams and I talked about last night, Chris, I wonder how many seasons will go by before the NFL just says, screw it. We're just, we, we, it's no longer a pandemic. It's endemic to the population. It's no different than the cold and the flu in that regard. The, the consequences can be much more dire, but we're no longer going to have these special procedures where we shut guys down for 10 days. You know, a lot of these guys who test positive never even have symptoms. Yeah. They never even have symptoms. Right. So maybe the protocol coming up in one of these future years isn't going to be if you test positive, you are banished for 10 days. Maybe there's some special protocol that applies to you in the facility, right? But because at the end of the day, when they're going out on the field, no no one's catching it from someone else during the games. No. No one's catching it during the practices. It's transmitted in the closer quarters. And I think at some point, the NFL, if this is going to continue to be a year-in and year-out thing, the NFL's protocols need to adapt and evolve and adjust to the fact that, you know, we got these guys that want to play. They're not, they don't have symptoms. Why, why aren't they in a position where they can run around out on a football field Yeah, and we're just careful about where we let them go inside the building? Yeah, no, I, I think that's a fair, a fair point, a fair assessment. I, I would think we're – I wouldn't be shocked if that was next year. I mean, I, I really wouldn't. You know, I think you're going to have some pushback from the NFLPA probably with some of the, the COVID protocols. Players, you know, I, I certainly don't think are, you know, very happy about all the stuff they still have to go through. And – yeah, I think a lot well, of but, them. And that's right. The union, the union wants it that way. That's what I and mean. The teams are fine with it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I could, happen. I could. Start, I mean, like you know, TJ. I mean, TJ. Watt, let's take him for instance. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know what it is, but like if he had no symptoms, you know, he'd probably, you know, and I bet you other guys in their locker room would be like, well, we don't give a damn. We want him to play this week. Put him in the corner in the meeting room. We need him. We're getting our asses kicked on the regular basis right now in Pittsburgh. We need him. I mean, you know, that's that's where players and, and I think coaches and organizations might fight back about this a little bit. Yeah, it's it's those scenarios. I think it's the, the non-symptomatic guys that are going to be like, man, this is ridiculous. I can't play. And, hey, I feel for Pittsburgh. Wait, you get the Baltimore Ravens this week, haven't won a game in four weeks. Now you're going to be missing your best player on the defensive side of the ball. Wow. 
You know, again, I don't know if you saw my and, clip. And short week after that. Short, short week, week after, after that, that against your Vikings. So that's he could right. be out for two games. Yes. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's big. And, and that's where I tend to stand right now with Pittsburgh and, and that whole situation and just go, it's over. Pittsburgh, I'm just, I'll get down and kiss your feet as well if Pittsburgh makes the playoffs. It is over in Pittsburgh. Their only chance was their defense to dominate. dominate. It is falling apart weekly. And that's, I don't see that getting fixed. And I just think, uh, you know, it, it's all coming to a head there to where, yeah, they're not going to make the playoffs. This will be Big Ben's last few games, and it'll be a, a new tenure there at, at the quarterback position in Pittsburgh. First of all, I really don't want you to kiss my feet. That, that's that's that, just Trust me, I don't want to problem. either. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I, I heard you explaining this earlier. Yeah. If you're kissing the feet shoes on, you're really not kissing the feet. Right. You're kissing the shoe. Right. And I know you may have a thing for items that have been on the floor at LaGuardia. We've already established that. <laughs> yeah. But right. I don't I don't think kissing the outside of a shoe is the same as kissing a foot. Right. That's just that's just I, my take. I hear you. You're right. And your foot's probably got a little hair on it and stuff too. I want nothing to do with that. <laughs> I want nothing to do with it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I I, uh, I don't get pedicures. Let's just say that. Yeah, so I right, don't think you want right. anything to do with my feet. All right, let's take a break. When we return, when the Cowboys do play on Thursday night, they may be facing a quarterback other than the quarterback the Saints have been using. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... The charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. 